at this time, uh, I'd like to welcome Emma up. Let's give her a round of applause. Which side do you want to sit on? Um, that one. Which is your best side? <laughs> All of them. That's the correct answer. <laughs> I thought this was going to be a sofa. I'm slightly upset. Yeah, I'm sorry this about that. It's not as comfy. We have a, a little bit sofa. rocky. Uh, you know, it, it sinks down real low and you can struggle to see, unless you're on the stage, but the stage setup at the moment isn't conducive to sofa sitting, mm. so stalls. I feel like I'm in boy zone. <laughs> it's halfway stand through. Up stand up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, key change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Thank you so much for agreeing to come and share with us this evening. Um, would you mind just giving us a brief introduction of yourself for anyone who doesn't know you or uh, for those who do even? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name's Emma. Um, I'm originally from Northern Ireland, if you pick up a little twang. Um, but I've been in Bristol for 20 years. I came to um, study here and I did a, um, initially studied youth and community work and applied theology. And I worked for the church that resigned was part of then um, Bristol Christian Fellowship. And then I... I've moved on and done a million things since then. And now, currently, I retrained as a therapist, a psychotherapist. So now I work in St. Mary Redcliffe and Temple School sick form. Um, I also have a private practice. I work for Bath Spy Uni. And sometimes I work in a burger van. So quite a varied, what they call now a portfolio CV. Um, <laughs> yeah, and... Um, I have loved Jesus all my life. I met, I saw him when I was four um, because my older cousins left me on the beach in the dark and I didn't know where my aunties, other cousins, somebody rather distant relative's house was. And it was like behind the sand dunes and my cousins were who were quite a bit older than me had run off um, and I was four. And I was just stood on the beach going, uh, and then I saw Jesus on the sand dune and he went this way. I went, oh, okay. So just toddled after him until we got to the house and then he disappeared and my parents were there and they were like, where have you been? I was like, where have I been? What? Like, I'm four. Um, anyway, so I, yeah, been a Christian all my life, really. Um, and I was saying to Mike the other day how sometimes that feels like a real bore. Like, I've got friends with these amazing testimonies who were like in a cult and, you know, like had Satan worshipped and moved in, this, moved in the satanic world, like all this. And then they get saved and they have these amazing testimonies. And I'm like, oh, I became a Christian when I was four. And uh, then I stayed a Christian. And uh, I love Jesus more now. And yeah. <laughs> but actually, I'm really glad. <laughs> oh, I, uh, yeah, I love him. He has saved me from a lot. There you go. That's cool. Sure, the question on the tip of everyone's tongues is, do you do friends and family discount at the burger van? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> it's not my burger van, so, I mean, the people who own it do lots of friends and family discount, but I'm, that's not, I am not at liberty. However, if anybody is going to Western Burt this Friday to the concert series, I will be there in the burger van on Friday. <laughs> my honest first question is... Yeah. What led you towards psychotherapy? I worked for 125, which I'm sure most of you have heard of, um, working with sex workers in the city, and I loved it. I worked there for six years as a volunteer and then three years full-time. And in the last year that I worked there, I had five deaths on my caseload, including a baby and um, a teenager and some women. And it was just, I burnt out. I lost all hope 
and I felt like we were just firefighting a lot of the time. We, were just, we would put them into rehab and then we would drive away and they'd be running down the street the other direction towards their dealer the minute we turned our backs. And it just was, um, I got to the point where I had no hope anymore for them. Uh, and then I started to lose hope for myself. I just thought, this is, what am I even doing? And uh, I went home one Christmas uh, in 2007. I went home and just before I was going home, I went to, <laughs> we had a mouse in the house and I went to Clifton Hardware and said, oh, can I buy a mouse trap? And he said, yeah. I said, can you show me how to set it? Because I've never set one. So he, he set it and then he hit it with a piece of paper and it snapped and I burst into tears. I was like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> it didn't even hit a mouse. It just said a piece of paper, but I was very upset. <laughs> and I went round, saw Andrew and Ruth, and they were like, what's wrong with you? I was like, I don't know, just can't stop crying. And then I went home that Christmas and got off the plane and uh, walked into the airport. And behind me, there was like a kerfuffle and this older chap had fallen down the stairs and he got up again. He was fine, but I started to cry and I cried for about an hour and a half. And my mum was like, mm, do you think you might need to... Uh make a change I was like yeah so I quit my job sold everything and took a gap year at 28 and went traveling and rediscovered hope got it tattooed on my arm so that I remember that there is always hope that it's like that is an eternal uh, thing that will never go away that's actually saved me a lot of times because I think that's um, the devil sometimes that's I think that's one of the things that he thinks he can get me on but since I've got this, it's less. Um, and so anyway, long, long story. All my stories are long. Um, so, <laughs> so long story short, after that, I was like, I really want to help people, but I need to do it in a way that where I'm actually skilled and gifted at it. And so I retrained as a therapist. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That's wonderful. That's cool. Um, yeah. What were your... Uh, yes, sorry. <laughs> we're thinking and have been thinking about the seasons of life uh, tonight thinking particularly around a time to mourn the process of grieving coping with loss um, but more broadly kind of how we relate with God through our circumstances in those times um, so what were some of your earliest memories of loss or grief was that something that was prevalent kind of even early in your life was that something you've had to deal with much um, not in, I, I feel pretty blessed, um, on that front. Um, I have had some experiences of grief and loss, but I feel like I've got an amazing, uh, set of parents, <laughs> um, who are just really exceptionally faithful and amazing. So I, from a very young age, um, I have an older sister, an older sibling who's, um, disabled, really severely disabled. And she was a twin and her twin was stillborn. Um, and she was born a year before me, and then I was born um, quite quickly. Um, they didn't know that there was anything wrong with Sarah, my sister, before they were pregnant with me. Otherwise, they wouldn't have had me. So that was a lucky little gem for all of you. Um, but um, so always, I think when I was little, my mom was definitely grieving that. And my parents were, and we, my mom is very um, pragmatic, my mom. She's like, well you know, I had another child to be looking after, so I couldn't really be wallowing about in grief all the time. Um, and But she she will say that it took her sort of four years to really process that and kind of get out all the questions of like, why God, why has this happened? And then Sarah was really severely brain damaged um, at the same time. So um, sort of getting over all of that, but I was sort of aware of, I guess, being little, that I had a sibling that I didn't have anymore or that, you know, never was. We sort of talked about her. Um, and then... 
had loads of pets that died. I grew up in the country, so there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of grief and loss around pets. Um, and then it was probably my biggest um, thing when I was 12. My grandpa, who I absolutely adored, died. And that was um, probably definitely one of the worst days of my life when he died. Um, he was just the greatest. Um, so, I, I mean, that's my sort of early experience of loss and grief, I think. Um, over the years, there's been other... Obviously, that year where I lost five people in my case, so there have, I've had, you know, I've had quite a lot of um, people around. Rachel James, who some of you will um, know of, so she was a young person who was on. She was a friend of mine who was on our gap year as a church, and she went to South Africa um, as part of the gap year and drowned while she was out there. So that was quite a big um, thing. So yeah, I, I've had. Um, touches of so as I say that I'm like actually that's quite a lot but I feel I feel like fairly um, blessed in the way that God has helped me through all those I guess yeah. and how if at all does your relationship with God change how you view death um, massively I think some days other days I'm as scared of it as everyone else and I don't want anybody I know to die and if my mum dies I don't know what I'm going to do I mean I say if um when my mum dies, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, but I think sometimes God must be, I feel like he must get exasperated with us because I guess if we knew what heaven was like and we knew what it was going to be like and we knew that everything was going to be okay, what it was going to be like over there, it would be a bit like somebody saying, you know, oh, I don't want to come and live in your mansion with a swimming pool. I want to stay here in my slum. It's lovely here where everyone is diseased and these ulcers in my leg are amazing. You know, and we, we hit somebody saying, no, you can be fully healed and come and live in this amazing mansion with all these people. That's going to be brilliant. There's never going to be anything sad. And we're like, no, let me stay here. Um, sort of like better the devil you know, isn't it? So I think on one hand, I'm like, you know, probably a lot of us were a bit like, I don't really want to die. I want to stay here. I don't want to lose anyone. I don't want to have to grieve. Um, and on the other hand, I'm like, oh, it's going to be so much better. What am I thinking? Like, what? surely I should, you know, Paul says I would rather die, but I'm going to stay here for you lot. Um, sometimes I get glimpses of that feeling. And also I feel like my relationship with God is the thing that helps me deal with any kind of grief or loss. Because I don't think it's just about death, is it? It's lots about loss opportunities or things that I... Um, loss of different identities or loss of, I remember when I left sixth form, I cried for about two weeks because I was so sad. Um, so sometimes you lose lose things along the way that aren't necessarily through um, people dying, but in other different ways. Um, and I think that God, I love that song that we sang, like, I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. And so much of that um, when it comes to things that I've lost or loss of identity or loss of people or loss of jobs or loss of, I don't know, whatever. I'm like, God, I am who you say I am. So actually, whatever is happening right now, I still am who you say I am. I am still chosen. I am not forsaken. I am who you say I am. So I think knowing God and having a relationship with him and being able to say, why is this happening? Or what should I do about this? Or how can I you know, what What am I going through here? And wh who are you for me in this? That's a good question, isn't it? Who are you for me today, God? Who do you want to be for me in this situation? Because if, if I need a comforter, he's the comforter. If I need a peace, he's the prince of peace. If I need the good shepherd to lead me, he's the good shepherd. If I need a king to say, this is like a royal decree, I need the king, whatever it is. He is for me in that position. So I feel like my relationship with God covers everything, doesn't it? Mm. Um. 
in that case, what, does, uh, does the process of grief or someone who might be uh, mourning in a particular way, does that show any sort of lack of faith to you? Is, it, uh, is there a relationship between those two things? Is there a healthy balance? Can you have complete faith that God trust in him, he gives and takes away, our identity is in him regardless, um, but still have a, a healthy grief for loss of someone or something? Yeah, 100%. Um, I don't think grief is lack of faith at all. Lack of hope is lack of faith. If we then think nothing will ever change and I will never feel any different, that's different. But grief is a process that we go through of acknowledging I miss that person I miss that thing I miss that opportunity uh something is not okay and I think the process of like acknowledging that and walking through that is utterly right and we can do that with God I love in the Psalms how David always starts off or not always but a lot of the time he starts off you know shaking his fist at God he's furious about something about you know bad people who are prospering or people who are chasing him or you know bad things that have happened and then as he's talking to God about it and shaking his fist it's like he gets a glimpse of God and he's like and yet you're still God like oh okay no but I see that you're still God and I think the, like the process of walking through grief is not at all a lack of faith I think if we get stuck there and feel like we therefore have no hope that's where we need God to come alongside and say, hey, but listen, I'm still here. I'm still your God. I'm still for you. You're chosen. You're not forsaken. Um, but grief is, um, yeah, a, a process that everyone does it differently. Um, and it's a good thing, I think, to process it and to kind of go through that. It'd be weird if we lost something or someone and we were like, great, move on. <laughs> that wouldn't be okay that would just be a denial of actually we missed that that person leaves a hole in my life or that thing has left a gap that I don't know how to fill or that changes everything for me and I think we have to we have to actually acknowledge that and work through what that means with God and then you get to a different place in your uh, professional life both in school and as a uh, private psychotherapist you have to support lots of people going through lots of different things including grief um how how is that what's what's that like for you um and how do you share your hope with people in a hopeless situation that's a good question thank you yeah you're welcome i think one of the absolute privileges of my job at redcliffe is that it's a church of england school and there are loads of kids who are christians and it is so much easier <laughs> um i honestly really struggle with how people live without God. How do you get through anything in life without God? Um, because he just is the absolute difference between hope and despair, the difference between, um, you know, everything, joy, peace. He is all of those things. Um, so in school, I have some, I've had some amazing experiences this year walking through. Um, I was, I think this is why you're because I was talking to you about this story about this kid, but um, I have this one kid who, this year, who is a Christian, a really faithful, um, lovely kid. She's amazing. Um, but her dad walked out on their family about four years ago and um, had probably been having an affair for about a year, just walked out, and she decided um, that that was that. She was always going to be sad about that. She was never going to have a relationship with him. And she was grieving 
um, but very angry, didn't really, uh, wouldn't acknowledge that that was grief, was just like, no, not not doing it. Um, so I've been, I've been seeing her for two years and that didn't really come in until about this year and then we started talking about it and she was in the beginning very like, no, that's just the way it is and I don't have a relationship with my dad and kind of went on. Um, and then after a few months um, this year, um, we had this one session where she said, in the middle of the session, she said, I just want my dad to walk me down the aisle. <laughs> I can't even talk about it now without crying. And it was like this moment of vulnerability where the father's heart came in. And I was like, we both cried. <laughs> and um, I was like, okay, that feels like a moment of truth. And she was like, yeah. I was like, okay. So then we started talking about how God, all God needs is our yes. He, you know, if, and then he can change our heart. We don't have to change it. It's not like we have to um, decide to think differently or struggle to think differently about that thing. But God can change our heart. So we started to pray each week. We'd be like, okay, um, go away and ask God, what does he want you to do? What is, what is your act of obedience this week? What does he want you to do? And within two months, everything had changed. Her whole heart had changed. She'd, like God had spoken to her so significantly two or three times, three other people, through the Bible um, and through our sessions. And she was like, I, I want a relationship with my dad. It, I don't have to feel sad about this forever. I don't have to have lost him forever. And anyway, we just like went through this whole process and it took two months and it was so joyful. And she, through obedience, just gave her little internal yes to God. Like, okay, yes, I'll be obedient and I'll do what you want me to do. And you can change my heart if you want to. And he absolutely did. And now she's got a relationship with her dad. And it, so on the one hand, it is such a joy, like walking through stuff with the help of the Holy Spirit and with God and, you know, grief in that way is like, if God speaks into a situation, it can change everything in a moment and it is pure class. People who don't have God, harder, really long process, um, really long we're really bad at forgiveness, I think, as a society, and we're getting worse at it. I think we see that, you know, you see, like, in celebrity culture, you see somebody who makes a mistake, and then they're, like, an outcast forever. Um, or they said something 20 years ago that now has suddenly surfaced, and they're like, right, you're clearly a racist. And you're like, whoa, hold on. Like, we need to, like, learn how to, you know, how, does, how are we, how good are we at forgiveness? How good are we at saying, yep, you messed up, let's move on. Um, I think that's really hard, and I think lots of times... Um, grief. We've had two students, two ex-students um, this year who've taken their own lives. So I've dealt with quite a lot of students coming in, talking about that, um, talking about their friends who've died. And that is so hard. They're young, they have no faith, they, are, they get to the place where they're hopeless and it's really hard and you have to kind of talk about, in that case we talk about things like that was their choice, like what else could you have done? Um, but it is just so much harder if you can't say where, you know, where does God come into this? It's hard. It's really hard. It's just long, a long process of them coming to terms with that, really. Seems to me that you're in a fantastic place and a great opportunity to walk with people, share God's love with people, Christians and non-Christians, um, which is, well, I'm sure you don't take for granted, but what a wonderful opportunity and Difficult, I'm sure, as, as you say, kind of has its challenges, but... Um. It doesn't feel difficult. I, I mean, it, it definitely is uh, challenging, but I absolutely love it. 
Every so often, I've been there for 10 years, and every so often I think, this is too long, I should move on, like, I need a new challenge. <laughs> and then I'm like, no, I love this, why would I move? I absolutely love this. Like, every day I get up, I go in, they're all different, every kid I see is different, they're hilarious, slash so annoying, slash like, deeply troubled, slash everything, but they're just brilliant. I absolutely, yeah, it's such a privilege, I absolutely love it. I wonder if you'd be happy to share us a little bit about... Uh grieving for things we've never had. I mean, you mentioned that the other day, and I thought it was a really fascinating idea, and a reflection, very common, I think. Uh, yeah, very common. So why is it, do you, in your opinion, professional or personal, that people grieve for things they've never had? And is it any different a process to, to grieving the loss of something or someone that has been in your life? Um, I don't think it is. I think the process of, of processing loss whatever the loss is, if it's something that we have had and have lost or it's something that we have wanted and then the opportunity goes away. Um, I think the grief in those situations is the same. Um, I think, like one of the things for me, I'm nearly 40 and I have never been sure all my life if I've wanted kids, um, but also the opportunity has never presented itself. Um, so I, at some point, unless that happens quite quickly in the next, which it's not looking like it will, at some point I'm going to have to sort of <laughs> get to the point where I get over the fact that I'm probably not going to have kids, um, which even though I'm not sure that I've ever wanted them, the opportunity might go away and then I'd be like, oh, and I think the process is the same or it might be... Um, I also feel sad that I've never, you know, I haven't got a dog. <laughs> and I know that sounds silly, but like for me, that's like a big thing. I grew up with dogs all my life and have really loved them, sometimes more than I love people. Um, and for me right now, not having a dog is actually like a little bit of grief for me that I'm like, oh, I just love dogs so much. <laughs> and every like rescue dog that I see and they're always posting them on the like Bristol puppy pound. I'm like, oh. Really want it, but Abby hates them, and I live with Abby, and that's no good. So I can't have one. Um, and also, that's easier to talk about um, than the fact that I may never have kids, and that someday that might be a loss that I have to face. And I think the process of that is the same. It's just like I actually don't know what it's like to have kids, and I may never know. And on the one hand, I'm really okay with that because I really trust God that he has all of my life in hand and I am happy. <laughs> Might not look at mine, but I, I actually really am very happy in my life. It's very full. I'm super busy. I've got loads of community and friends and all my friends have multiple, multiple, multiple children. Um, so it's not like I'm short of kids to interact with. Um, and most of the time, I don't really think about it. But it will come to the point where I can no longer, that's no longer a possibility for me. And I think grieving that will be just as hard as grieving the loss of stuff that I have had. Because it's just one of those things that you think, okay, that wasn't for me. But it's, you know, that could be anything. Um, I'm also not married and I'm not as bothered about that. <laughs> um, and I've, you know, not been to all the countries in the world I want to go to. And I, um, I don't know, there's lots of things that you could think about out there that you that you sort of thought you would have someday, but you you might not ever have. And sometimes those are as deep losses um, 
as the things that you actually do have and then lose. But I think the process is exactly the same. It's acknowledging, oh, that is a pain. That is like a, that's a wound in me and taking that to God and being like, oh, this, this doesn't feel very nice. Um, and talking to him about it and having him soothe me and be my comforter and be all the things that I need and and speak to me like in my relationship with him he can speak to me and say this is why you didn't because you're gonna do other things and I've had like words about you know mothering um I had one just the other week about mothering a, 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 a like a, a generation of prophetic evangelists I was like right well I'm not gonna be able to do that if I've got small children on my that's like <laughs> That's going to take up too much of my time. Maybe I haven't got time, which is great. I, you know, want to do all the things that God wants me to do. Um, but yeah, I think the process is the same. Just acknowledging it and feeling it and talking to God about it and have him give me his wisdom and then being like, all right, okay. That's great. Really helpful. Um, what your the final, final question or so we're going to wrap things up but what is it that keeps you going then so you became a Christian when you were four uh, and kind of been through whatever you've been through ups and downs you've worked with people through ups and downs and supported others um, what was your kind of parting words for us this evening what is the reason you, you still do all the stuff you do the stuff you the, the reason you still care and love going into school to help people why why is it that you're so willing to to love others in that way and to help with particularly in this context the the grieving and the those who have lost um god (laughs) what else would i do what else would i do with all the love that he pours into me what else would i do with the grace that he gives me? What else would I do with the forgiveness that he gives me? What else would I do with the blessings and the favor and the like lavish abundance that he pours into me other than give that away? Like, I, you know, what else would I do with it? Just sit in my little like blessed up haze. I mean, that's okay. I do do that. <laughs> but then I go out and like, what else would I do with it? I, can, I don't know. I can't help loving people. That's just part of who I am. That's who God's made me. I see them the way that he sees them, I think there is always hope. Uh, So even in the hardest situations, I just always feel like there is always hope. God can always move in this situation. God could come in now and completely change this whole life or this whole situation or any moment. What an amazing truth. What a father. Like, yeah. I have, he gives me a lot of energy. He gives me a lot of... Uh, but all of that is born out of, I think, my relationship with him every day. Start my day with him every day. Listen. I think as well, progression. I think if it was the same since I was four, I'd be bored. But he is so wanting to give more and wanting me to be in a different place than I was last week or last month or last year or yesterday and he wants to reveal more and he wants to speak more and he wants to do more and he wants to you know I think if I was the same as I was when I was four I would have got bored now and I would have probably given up but I just there's so much more revelation all the time there's revelation there is more of him um and that's super exciting I've been um doing this thing 
So in our small group in the ARC, uh, for the last, I don't know, five, six years, we prophesy over each other every week. So you like, I'd have a you, you to Emily, Emily would have somebody else. So we all have like a different person in the group each week that we pray for. And we have to come and give them a prophetic word. Um, so we have to hear from God for that person every week. So we've been doing that for, for you know, years. And that's been really good. And in the beginning, we were terrible. And now we're all quite good at it. And it comes quite easily. And uh, now we can... So then we did stuff like um, we'd go to other churches or we, we'd go to this other church and we do prophetic appointments for them. So they just book in. There are people from their church book in. And we just sit in a room and somebody comes in and we just prophesy over them. And then they leave. And then somebody else comes in and we do it for a day. And it's exhausting slash so exhilarating. I don't even know what to do with myself. Um, it's really fun um and then so like the progression of that like okay how does that work and then sometimes it happens to me in school where like a kid will be telling me something and I'll suddenly uh it's like uh, what they call in the prophetic thing like a nabby word where it just like bubbles up out of me and I go and I like say something to them that I'm like didn't know that was going to come out or I like sometimes I like rebuke things in Jesus and I don't say the Jesus name but I kind of mutter that but I'm like no I reject that thought <laughs> you will not think that that is a lie and I like tell them you know sometimes not all the time because obviously I don't just shout at them but sometimes it just like bubbles up out of me because that is the spirit of God that lives in me he has a lot to say um, and it sometimes happens to me in the street and then I've started doing this emerging prophets um intensive year-long course thing with the Glasgow Prophetic Centre and her latest piece of homework for us that was that we have to um, prophesy over somebody for 10 minutes every day 10 minutes on the one person that is a challenge but so good so now like I'm like with my phone recorder I'm like right timer boom on 10 minutes some days I don't manage 10 some days I manage seven but there's progress and like honestly it has like absolutely astounded me the stuff that has come out of my mouth as I'm praying for people and I like just record it all and then send it to them and I've you know feedback is you know good like yep that was really spot on and you know all of these things have been happening and I think if I think there's just always more isn't there so I think I want to see so much more. I want to see, you know, wide-scale revival. I want to see a reformation of our laws around abortion. I want to see a society completely reformed by the love of God. I want to see us working together, loving each other. I want to see everybody releasing the prophetic. I want to see everybody uh, releasing evangelism. There's so much, there's so much to do. And um, it's just exciting. I think it's exciting what God is doing. And I think that's what keeps me going. That I, I never get a sense that God is like, right, I've given up. So why on earth would I? Yeah. Amazing. Emma, thank you so much for sharing so openly and honestly. Um, it's a round of applause.